The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to our number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, January the 13th. It is 8.02 on your Tucson Thursday. And whether you are tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're tuning in via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, I appreciate you tuning in here every, uh, every weekday morning from 7 to 9 for Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Spent the majority of the first hour talking local, specifically Arizona Wildcat basketball. And we will spend the chief portion of our number two talking NFL. Because not only do I talk about it every single day here, that is my promise to you on the Jeff Dean Show, that 300 and, well, not 365, but if we were on the air 365 days a year, we would talk NFL every single one of those 365 days. It's my, it's my promise to you. The NFL is king even when it is... Off season, there is still plenty to talk about in the NFL. Even when there's COVID going on, there's plenty to talk about in the NFL. So, uh, always, always newsworthy is the world's number one form of entertainment, and uh, we got you covered right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Let's start to dive into these matchups this weekend because, look, I know that it's it's the opening weekend in the playoffs, and oftentimes there are a lot of overzealous uh, type of, I guess, um, predictions or, uh, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, lines and odds and things like that. And people think that these are bad matchups in, in certain cases. And I really, I really think that we only have like one extremely lopsided matchup here in what they're calling super wild card weekend. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of go through chronologically in the order that the games are going to be played and give you a little breakdown and some preview and a prediction of ultimately what I think is is going to happen. Now, we begin with the opening game of the weekend, the game that's going to kick off Saturday at 2.30. It's got the Las Vegas Raiders, the five seed in the AFC, heading out to Cincinnati, Ohio, to take on the Bengals, who are the four seed. The Bengals currently are a a four-and-a-half-point favorite on FanDuel Sportsbook. And, look, these two teams met in Week 11 back, you know, what seems like forever ago almost, uh, in Las Vegas. The Bengals won that game 32-13. to But the score was not indicative of that game. And I'll tell you why. Bengals kicker Evan McPherson in that game kicked four field goals, so he was responsible for 12 of their 32 points. Those field goal distances were 47, 51, 53, and 54 yards, respectively. Those were the four distances that he had to convert field goals on. The Bengals were really not able to move the ball all that well. They only had 288 yards of total offense. And one of their touchdown drives was a six-yard drive. That's it. It was their their last one. The Raiders fumbled the football uh, and led to basically a two-play, six-yard touchdown drive for the Bengals that kind of iced the game. It was not a a butt whipping by you know, by any you know standards, other than the fact that the the Bengals dominated the time of possession in that game. 
because the Raiders turned the ball over. I think they turned the ball over three times in that game. And I, I just I, – listen – People are like, oh, the Bengals are going to crush the, the Raiders and Raiders almost don't belong and they got hot at the right time. Let's, let's just not start poo-pooing on the Raiders here, okay? That's a pretty good football team. And I'll also say this. In that matchup, in the Week 11 matchup that they had, Max Crosby, who has come on like gangbusters this year, a, a guy that nobody had ever heard of before this season, most likely, uh, unless you're the most diehard Raider fan, had never even heard of Max Crosby. He had a 66% win rate in that game in pass rushes, which was the highest win rate in the NFL this year for a single player in a single game. 66%. Basically, he whooped the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line butt. And he was playing in that backfield all day long. He was a nuisance for Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was having to get rid of the ball quickly, had to throw the ball away a bunch of times, and he was a legitimate problem. Now, what is the status of Joe Burrow's knee? We saw that two weeks ago on that Sunday they had to pull him out in a goal line situation because he couldn't walk. So I'm not exactly sure what his knee situation is right now. You know me. I love me some Joe Burrow. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. He's going to be a great quarterback, in my opinion, if they can keep him upright, right? I know it. I, I Listen, I know that sounds basic. But, look, it's not exactly the greatest offensive line in the world here for the, uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. I, <laughs> I don't know if the Bengals are going to be able to score you know, up to 32 points in this particular game, but their defense has been playing a lot better recently. And even though it's not a highly rated defense, they play good in certain situations, specifically on third down. They're pretty darn good on third downs, and I just think that they're just a little bit better. When you look at the two quarterbacks head-to-head, Joe Burrow is just a little bit better than Derek Carr. When you look at the running backs head-to-head, Joe Mixon is just a little bit better than Josh Jacobs. And we look at the wide receiver situation. Obviously, Jamar Chase is, you know, he he's got a meteoric ceiling on him. And they're better than the Raiders receivers. Uh, Raiders have a better pass rush. I think the Bengals are better on the back end. It's going to be a very close game. The Bengals are favored by four and a half. I think the Bengals will win. Give me the Bengals 20, Raiders 19, but I'll take the Raiders plus four and a half all day long. I think it's going to be a close football game. I think those two teams will play. It, it might come down to an Evan McPherson kick at the end of the game to win for the Bengals. Uh, my buddy sent me a text earlier this morning, and it said, uh, let's, I mean, let me, let me pull up the text here to make sure that I don't misquote the thing. Nobody in human history has ever sent a text message about the Bengals winning a playoff game because the the last Bengals playoff win was in 1991, and the first text message to be sent was in 1992. <laughs> so there's an interesting little uh, fun little statistic there for you, and I think plenty of Bengals fans will be able to send some text messages after that game. I think the Bengals will pull it out, but it's going to be a lot closer than people think. There, there are people that are picking the Bengals to win that game by a touchdown or more. I just don't see it. Not unless something weird happens in special teams, like a block punt or a block field goal or something like that. I just don't see it. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Let's move over to the next game, because the next game is an AFC game, the Saturday night game, and this one is going to be an interesting watch. We'll just put it that way. As the sixth seed New England Patriots head into Buffalo 
for the second time this year. These teams are meeting for now the third time since the beginning of December. So these two teams are very familiar with each other and very familiar with each other currently because they didn't play early in the season. They played later. The Buffalo Bills, the three seed, going to be playing at home. They're a four-point favorite. That game's going to kick off at 6-15. Game time temperature is going to be right around zero. Wind chill is going to make those temperatures sub-zero temperatures, which makes you think, oh, it's going to be like the game that they played earlier when the Patriots beat the Bills 14-10. to It's actually nothing like that. That game was ridiculously howling winds, and it was the game. I think game time temperature in that game was like 34. So it wasn't even it wasn't even freezing at that point. It wasn't even that cold. So it was just you know bad weather, and obviously Mac Jones throwing the three passes in that game and winning the football game 14 to 10. And then it took a near Herculean effort for Josh Allen in game two. Uh, the game that was in Foxborough, to win that game. They won that game 33-21. But if you remember, it was Josh Allen's legs and one just incredible throw in that game in a tight window into the end zone that was the difference maker in that one for the for the Buffalo Bills. Now, people have talked about, oh, Josh Allen is the perfect guy for Buffalo to play in that kind of weather because he played in Wyoming. He's got that big, strong arm, and he's used to, to cold conditions. Check this out. This is just a little little statistic here for you, digging deep, as I like to do from time to time. Josh Allen is not as good in cold weather as you might think. In fact, his cold weather games, he has a completion rate of 50.3%, which is third worse in the NFL in games where the temperature is below 32 degrees. He has just 166 yards passing per game has thrown six touchdowns to seven interceptions. Against Atlanta in that freezing game they played a couple of weeks ago, he was 11 of 26 for 120 yards, no touchdowns, three picks. The game time temperature was 25 degrees, probably the worst game of his life. Against Carolina, just a a couple of weeks earlier than that, 19 of 34, 200 yards passing, three touchdowns, one pick. That was against Carolina. His passer rating was 91.5, which isn't bad. It's pretty good, but his completion percentage was, wasn't all that great. The New England game, of course, um, you know, we talked about, we talked about that. It wasn't, it wasn't a freezing game, but they did play a game in New England a couple of years ago where he was 13 of 26 for 208 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the game time temperature was right at 32, so just, just right at the freezing point. He struggled against Pittsburgh in a game that was below below freezing. He struggled in a game mightily against the New York Jets a couple of years ago in a game that was below freezing. He's really not as good as some people may think in below freezing temperatures. He just doesn't have the completion percentage. I don't know if it's his, if his fingers or whatever. They asked him about if he's going to be wearing sleeves. He is not going to wear sleeves for the game because he believes it makes him easier to tackle. So he's going to be wearing multiple layers under his pads with his usual short sleeves. But as we all know, it's not always about Josh Allen's throwing ability. It's his leg talent as well and just how good of a runner-slash-scrambler that he is. Now, on the flip side, the Buffalo Bills boast the NFL's number one pass defense, DVOA. And if you don't know what DVOA is, okay, educate yourself. I don't have the time to explain it to you. It's basically situational football where, uh, just a quick example, no – like – where they basically say if a running back gets gets four yards on a, on a play, 
and the another running back gets four yards on a play, those two plays are rated very differently depending on situation, who they were against. Uh, was it a third and 12 that he got four yards, or was it a third and three that he got four yards on? All those things go into play, and that's how they come up with DVOA. It's a very complicated method, but it's also shown to be very, very effective when you're looking at you know, essentially how effective teams are. The Bills are the number one DVOA defensive team in the league, and they are far and away the best passing DVOA defense in the league. That's going to spell problems for Mac Jones, especially in a situation where in the playoffs you just up your effort more, whether it's off the field in film studies, on the field, effort gets raised. And I'm not saying that Mac Jones isn't up to the task. He's played in big games before at Alabama, and he's played in some big games for Bill Belichick. And I know that Bill Belichick has a wonderful history in the playoffs. I just have some questions about certain certain things. And also the Patriots' defensive health. You know, according to according to their beat writer, they may be uh, minus upwards of four starters on the defense coming into this game on Saturday. And even though Matthew Judon is healthy, where has he been the last six weeks of the season? Like, I haven't announced his name. He hasn't been putting up the numbers. What has happened to Matthew Judon? He has kind of disappeared over the final few weeks of the season. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. Both of these defenses are going to be ready, and I think that Josh Allen will make just enough plays to be the difference in this game. I like the Bills 19, Pats 13. Give me the Bills minus four. Moving over to Sunday, the early game on Sunday, this is the only game that I think is going to be a blowout. I think all the other games are going to be extremely close. This is the only game I think is going to be an absolute blowout. It's a horrible matchup for Philadelphia. Let's just, let's just call it like it is. Um, this is not what Philadelphia wanted to see in taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who has Philadelphia beaten this season? Let's take a look here. Here's a list of the quarterbacks that the Eagles have beaten this year. Teddy Bridgewater, Jake Fromm, Sam Darnold, Garrett Gilbert, Jared Goff, Taylor Heineke, Trevor Simeon, Zach Wilson, and Matt Ryan. Okay, In that list are four backups – um, another guy who was benched, two players who were essentially salary dumped in the offseason. You've got Zach Wilson, who has been an underwhelming top three pick and a rookie, and then you got Matt Ryan, who's on his way out the door. He's got you know one, one foot in the retirement center. So not exactly a litany of great quarterbacks that the Eagles have beaten this year. Um, it, it's, just, it's just a bad matchup. Tom Brady and the the Buccaneers played the Eagles back in week six. Tom made it look easy. He was 34-42 in that game, 297 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. It was 28-7. The Buccaneers took their foot off the gas. Philadelphia got a couple of late scores to make it look respectable, but that game was not nearly as close as the score had indicated. Um, I just, when when you look at at their, you know, the, the matchups as far as what Philadelphia does poorly and what Tampa Bay does well. Philadelphia, as good as their defense seems, kind of, you know, if you if you look at the scores and such and you kind of see like, oh, Philly's defense is pretty good. It's not. <laughs> okay. Their passing defense is has not been great. They have the number 25 rated overall defense in the NFL DVOA, which means that situationally they're bad. And you don't want to be situationally bad against Tom Brady 
in the postseason, regardless of who his receivers are, regardless of who's healthy, it's not going to matter. I like the Buccaneers huge in this game. The Buccaneers are already favored by 8.5 in this game at home. I like the Bucs to cover that. I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 35, Eagles 13. Give me Tampa Bay minus the 8.5. I just think it's, 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 it's going to be a blowout. Blowout city in Tampa. That's, there's one every year, at least one every year in the playoffs. This is going to be the one for Super, super Wild Card Weekend, uh, as they're calling it. I think this is your one. Because I think all the other games are going to be close. And analytics you know, are going to play a big, a big role in a lot of these games as well. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. All right, when we return, I still got three games to break down, two big matchups in the NFC. We'll talk about that next, coming up right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Still here in hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. We're breaking down the NFL's, what they're calling, Super Wild Card Weekend because of only one bye for each conference, the Packers in the NFC, of course, and the Titans in the AFC. And we're breaking down the uh, the games that we have for this weekend. We have two on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then, of course, the Monday night football game for a first time ever, the NFL putting the playoffs on Monday night football. That, of course, the Cardinals and the Rams. We'll talk about that matchup coming up in just a little bit. But I'm kind of going chronologically here, just going right down the right down the line chronologically, breaking down the games, seeing how we can uh, help you out with some of your some of your uh, your picks on FanDuel Sportsbook. And if you're looking for any kind of uh, props or anything like that, obviously look into those. Not all of those have launched yet. A lot of times they wait for 24 to 36 hours before game time so that they know matchups, who's playing, and things like that before they start putting those props out there as far as passing yards, um, you know, rushing yards, all that kind of stuff, all the different little player props and stuff. So keep an eye on those. There's a couple of them out there. I think I saw some props that were available, like over-under passing yards for Joe Burrow and for Derek Carr in the early Saturday game, but nothing else really yet on uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. So keep an eye on those. Let's jump into the next game, and this is a game that is really being – talked about a lot uh, and it's 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 a great matchup it's a historical matchup and a matchup that quite frankly hasn't occurred in the postseason in nearly 30 years as the six seed san francisco 49ers head into dallas to take on the three seed cowboys the cowboys opened up as a three-point favorite they are still a three-point favorite and there's a good reason for that both fan bases are very passionate both fan bases neither of them like one another um, trust me, I've been a part of this rivalry for a long time, and it goes real deep in my family because of my father playing for the Cowboys back in the day and I being a 49ers fan, and it's always been an issue. <laughs> so uh, it, it, it runs deep in my family. This is going to be one hell of a matchup because what you have is you have two very different styles of play. And you have two teams that have really established an identity, one on the offensive side, the other on a defensive side. For the 49ers, offensively, we know what they are. They are smash and gash football on the offensive side. 
and they get their their ball into the hands of their playmakers in a multitude of ways. Debo Samuel, eight rushing touchdowns this year as a wide receiver. That sets a new NFL record. They hand the ball off in jet sweeps to George Kittle. Running in jet motion, they hand the ball off to him. They get the ball to their running backs. Elijah Mitchell is going to be healthy again and was sixth in the NFL in rushing this year, even though he missed uh, five games. So they are extremely talented, extremely good at running the football. They're also great at yards per play. They will open you up, and they will split you, and they will run down the field on you, and the next thing you know, it's gone for 20 yards. The 49ers did not lead the NFL in big plays. They were second in big plays. But what they did lead the NFL in is yards per play. So the 49ers have established their identity on offense. Everybody knows what they bring. It's very difficult to stop them still because they are excellence in execution. For the Cowboys, defensively, their identity is to turn teams over. That has become their identity this year under new defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. They led the NFL in takeaways this year. They are dynamic on the defensive line and getting after the quarterback, whether it be Randy Gregory or Micah Parsons or whomever they have rushing the quarterback. They've been very, very good at it. They've been able to move Micah Parsons around in multiple ways, and they've been very effective at creating negative plays for the offense, whether it be negative yards or turnovers. That has really served them extremely well because the offense has been a roller coaster this year. Sometimes you get good Dak. Sometimes you get bad Dak. Sometimes you get slow and and you know just completely ineffective Ezekiel Elliott. Sometimes you get explosive Ezekiel Elliott. Sometimes you get Amari Cooper with the stickiest hands on planet Earth. Sometimes you get Amari Cooper with bricks taped to those sticky hands. You just you just never know what's going to happen on offense for the Cowboys, but their defense has been very consistent this year in their method of turning teams over and creating negative plays, which is going to be obviously important uh, for the for the Cowboys in this particular game because the 49ers, in games where they lose the turnover battle, they're two and six. They're 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 just you know, and again, it's not a situation. Where, I'm sorry, when they lose or are even in the turnover battle. So it's either minus or or dead even. They were two and six this year uh, when doing that. So bad things happen when the 49ers turn the ball over. And they have been turning the ball over quite a bit. Jimmy Garoppolo has been known to throw plenty of interceptions in his time, certainly did again this year, sometimes in the most inopportune moments. Um, when you look at Dallas, their record, okay, how they got to the three seed, Obviously, 12-5 and five on the year, great year for them. However, when you look a little bit deeper into it, it may not be as impressive as you may think. Dallas went 6-0 and versus the NFC East, which was absolutely terrible outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, who couldn't beat a good quarterback this year. The Washington football team was a massive disappointment, and the New York Giants were the worst team in football. They went 6-5 and five against the rest of the teams that they played. Now, their losses in that 6-5 and five non-divisional record were to Tampa Bay in Week 1. Great matchup, great game, one of the best games of the year that was long forgotten, uh, unfortunately, because it happened in Week 1. They lost to Denver. They got blown out by Denver. They lost to Kansas City in a slugfest. It was like 1913 or something like that in that game. They lost to the Raiders, and then they most recently lost to the Arizona Cardinals in Dallas. Their wins 
were against the Chargers. Okay, that's a good win. That was in week number two. They bounced back from their loss to Tampa Bay to beat the Chargers in week two. But then their wins were the Panthers, the Vikings, the Patriots, the Falcons, and the Saints. Now, I'm not knocking the Saints. They're a very good defense, but they have no offensive firepower. If you can't, if you if you can't score, you can't beat the 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 the, the Dallas Cowboys. You I mean you can't beat anybody if you don't score. But if you don't score 19, 20 points, your eh, chances of beating the Cowboys are slim to none. Patriots are a good team. That was a good win for them. The other ones are like, eh. The Vikings lost that game. I, I remember watching that game and just watching Kirk Cousins completely unravel in that game. He was awful. They decimated the Falcons, and the Falcons were terrible this year in certain situations. You just found them just being completely listless. So their wins weren't all that impressive. When you look at the health of these two teams, 49ers are getting healthy at the right time, except at left tackle. Trent Williams, who through the 17-game season, posted a pro football focus score of 98.4, which is the highest ever for any player in the history of the pro football focus rankings. Ever, at any position. The highest end-of-season rating for any player since pro football focus started doing their uh, doing their system, which is really impressive. However, Trent Williams got a bad elbow, and he's questionable at this moment. They asked him about it uh, two days ago, and he basically said, "I'm going to get him. They're going to shoot me up, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play through the pain because the adrenaline will get me through it." If he's effective, he's the best left tackle in football. Period. End of story. There is no question about it. If he is healthy, now where will they line up, Micah Parsons? Micah Parsons has largely lined up over right tackle when he's been most effective this year, and that's where things get a little bit sticky for the 49ers. Are they able to go one-on-one, hat-on-hat to keep Micah Parsons out of the backfield? Are they going to have to stick with Max Pro and maybe put Kyle Juszczyk on him, you know, keep Kyle Juszczyk, their really talented fullback, in the backfield, which gives them one less target to, for Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the football to? Now, I will also say this. And look, the reason I'm spending so much time on this is because I think it's the most fascinating game of the weekend. And I think most people would agree with that. When you look at the three corners that Dallas throws out there with Trayvon Diggs, and okay, their three corners have obviously been very talented at turning teams over this year. They were, and this was, these are, these are NFL numbers. They were ranked third, fifth, and 11th, respectively, the three corners, third, fifth, and 11th in the league this year in yards after catch, meaning that they, that Trayvon Diggs gave up the third most yak yards, that their other two corners gave up the fifth and 11th most yak yards in the NFL this season. Those are very, very bad numbers, especially when you consider the 49ers and how good they are running after catch. They were the number two team in the NFL total yards after contact, yards after catch. It just seems to be flowing all in the right direction for the 49ers. If the 49ers, and this is a big if, if they can limit their turnovers and at least play even with the Cowboys in the turnover battle, they'll win this game. And I think the 49ers will win this game. I like San Francisco 26, Dallas 24. So give me the, uh, give me the Niners plus the three straight up to win that game. 
One more game before we get into the Monday night game, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by an astronomical amount, 12.5 points. That game's going to be played Sunday night, 6.15 kickoff. KC, I think too many people are putting too much credence in that Week 16 win that happened in Kansas City just a few weeks ago. Kansas City beat the Steelers 36-10. to They beat them like a drum. Yeah. Kansas City recovered five fumbles in that game. I mean, it was, it, it was, it was remarkable. Like, the ball just went to Kansas City. Every, any kind of loose ball was in Kansas City's hands. T.J. Watt only played in 52% of the snaps in that game. And according to Pittsburgh and their medical staff, he is full go this week, which is huge for the Pittsburgh Steelers in that defense because he is one of the three, probably one of the three best defensive players in the entire league. Now here's another problem that's going to be rearing its ugly head in this game for the Kansas City Chiefs and their and you know essentially their offense. They got some injuries on the offensive line. Week one starter Lucas Nyang lost his job and then uh, tore his uh, patella and is out for the season. Mike Remmers is on injured reserve, who is kind of like their their do it all tackle. He plays both tackle positions. Um, he's on injured reserve with a bad back. Andrew Wiley who was the starter at right tackle in the Super Bowl, will be the starter this t- uh, this year, uh, this game, uh, at left tackle. Okay? Andrew, let me repeat that for you. Andrew Wiley, who started at right tackle in the Super Bowl. Do y'all remember what happened to the right tackle in the Super Bowl last year? Jason Pierre-Paul made him look like a swinging door. <laughs> Andrew Wiley is in big trouble. If T.J. Watt is lined up over him, he's in, he's in trouble if anybody lines up over him, apparently. But with T.J. Watt lined up over him, that is going to create some real problems. The issue here is that Pittsburgh just I don't I don't Pittsburgh is not going to be able to score enough points to win the game. Defensively, I believe they will keep Kansas City largely in check, especially considering that Tyreek Hill has got a bad heel, been limping around, watching him in the game last week. Guy was only on the field for, uh, was it 12 snaps in their win over the Broncos? Limping all over the place. And, and, you know, several of those snaps he was limping around and was just out there as a decoy. So Tyreek Hill's availability is in question as well. I think this is going to be an extremely close game. This is one of those situations where the line hasn't moved, and I'm wondering if Vegas knows something that we don't, which always scares me. (laughs) Always scares me that Vegas is just clinging tooth and nail to this 12-and-a-half-point number. I think it's extremely close. I think the Chiefs win this game 23-17, but give me Pittsburgh plus 12-and-a-half all day. I just don't – I don't think the Chiefs are going to score enough points to be able to win that game by 13. It just doesn't – like, it just, the, the math just doesn't add up to me. But, of course, they'll probably hang a 37 on the Steelers and we'll all be laughing and pointing at me uh, come Tuesday when we get back on the air. So I love the Steelers at plus 12.5, actually. I've, I've played it already, and I, I'm going to stick to it. So we'll see how that works out. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, the final game of Super Wild Card Weekend, maybe the most difficult game to pick of the weekend as well, the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams, the Monday night game. That's coming up next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show, breaking down the 
NFL playoffs at Super Wild Card Weekend. We've done the first five, and now it's the final one. The final matchup of the weekend, or moving into the week, if you will. It will take place Monday night. Kickoff is at 6.15, the first time we've seen a Monday night football playoff game. And it features the Arizona Cardinals, the five seed, heading into Los Angeles to take on the four seed, Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, we know the history of these two teams. We talked with Tyler Drake earlier this week, our Cardinals insider. In fact, we talked to him yesterday. Uh, Seems like forever ago. Talked to him yesterday about this specific matchup and about the history of these two teams this year and how differently those two games went um, for just watching the game, 60 minutes of the game, how differently they went in the in, in the in the situations that they were in. Cardinals, this is we've beaten this to death. It's like a dead horse out there. They're just better on the road, period. They're just better. However, they have played terribly in the final half of this regular season. They were 7-0 and to start, to start the season and finished 3-7 in their final 10. And I just I, I can't get it out of my head just how bad they are in the second half of the season. And Cliff Kingsbury and his you know, long list of history of being bad late in seasons with whatever football team he's coaching, whether it's at Texas Tech or at Arizona. Now, the Rams, on the other hand, They've not been playing well either. They had a 17-0 lead on the 49ers in Week 18, a chance to win the division and a chance to increase their seed. Instead, they you know they opened up a big lead, started playing with a little too much uh, bravado, in my opinion, and then got completely smoked in the second half of that game and lose in overtime to the 49ers, allowing the 49ers to get in. The Rams back into the division win because the Cardinals – couldn't stop Rashad Penny from running the football 10 yards at a, at, a, at a clip every time he touched the damn football. Now, this is one of those situations where it's, it's difficult to pick either of these teams to actually win this game. So you're going to have to pick the team who you think will lose the game. The Rams are favored by 3.5, says Vegas, coming into this game. And I, I, personally, I think it's closer than that, but they're giving the Rams the – you know the obligatory three game, you know three points at home, and then they're giving them the hook because they're maybe just that much better than the Cardinals. So I have to agree with that. I think this game is going to be very, very close, very tightly contested. Neither of the quarterbacks are playing extremely well. One because of injury. Kyler Murray, since getting injured in the Green Bay game, since injuring his ankle in the Green Bay game, has not been the same. Uh, that offense has not looked the same since then. He's had a couple of breakout runs but it has not been as consistent as we are used to seeing out of Kyler Murray in that offense. And with Matthew Stafford, again, until he proves he can win big games, the questions are still out there, man. So I don't think it's going to come down to the quarterbacks. I think it comes down to one of the other playmakers on the field in this particular game. And right now, those playmakers belong on the Rams side because they just have more dudes, right? We know, we know about the talent on that team and just how top-heavy they really are. Cooper Cup, triple crown for wide receivers, only the fourth player in history to do that. Jerry Rice, Sterling Sharp, and Steve Smith, the only other three wide receivers to ever win the triple crown in wide receiving in the NFL. They've got Aaron Donald, who is still considered one of the three best defensive players in the entire league. Von Miller, who, when he turns it on and gets loose, is a real problem. And, of course, you've got shut down Jalen Ramsey. 
without a DeAndre Hopkins to cover in this particular game because D-Hop is out at least one more week with that MCL sprain that he had, or MCL tear, I guess. Uh, it, it could be it could be because I remember the sprain or a tear. It's bad. It's, it's bad. It's kept him out a while, and he may not play again this season, especially if the Cardinals lose. Now, J.J. Watt is going to come back from injury. If you've been following Tyler Drake on his Twitter account at TDrake4Sports, You'll know all the quotes that T, uh, that JJ has been uh, been giving this week, and he talked at length about the type of injury that he had with his shoulder, and it was absolutely gruesome uh, the way that he described it, and the fact that he's even going to suit up and play is just remarkable to me. He separated his shoulder in the game eight weeks ago, and when he separated his shoulder, it basically tore everything in his shoulder. And it also separated his bicep muscle, like separated his bicep muscle. He told the doctors, clean it up and suture it, uh, 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 screw it down real tight and get me back on the field. The guy is an absolute animal and one of my favorite guys in the league, to be honest with you. Not only because he's a fantastic player, because he's an ultimate tough guy, and he's a good guy too. The guy has given tons of money to charities and stuff, and I'm just, I'm a big J.J. Watt fan, I'll be honest. I just don't think that's going to be enough for the Cardinals. The Cardinals have shown lack of focus late in games or late in the season, specifically on offense. They have shot themselves in the foot. Tyler and I talked about it on Wednesday. The Cardinals have got, well, are, are most known for going third and two to third and seven. They've done it more times than, than we can count, and we watched that at the collegiate level this year with the Wildcats, right? It was a constant frustration with Arizona Wildcat football this year being in situations where it's third and one, third and two, now it's third and seven or third and 11. And, you know, now you're like, okay, just let's just try to salvage a kick out of this thing. For Arizona, it's been the exact same thing. And when it comes down to it, I just, I don't have the, I don't have the trust in either quarterback to win these games, but I have a little more trust in who our game breakers are in this game. For Arizona, James Conner's got bad ribs. He's got a bad foot. Chase Edmonds may not be, you know, he's not, may not be, he will not be 100% healthy for this game. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk has shown that he's spotty at best. A.J. Green has been a disappointment and really should be nothing, considered nothing more than a possession receiver at this point in time in his career, especially with this offense. And then you've got the Rams with – Jalen Ramsey and Von Miller and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and TJ Hig- or Tyler Higby, they just have more guys who can bust open the game. And that's why I'm going to pick the Rams in a shootout because I think these teams are going to make enough mistakes that they're going to, they're going to capitalize on it. I think there's going to be fireworks. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And I do think the Cardinals will cover that three-and-a-half-point spread. But give me the Rams 31, the Cardinals 30 in that game right there. So – those are my picks. Those are my predictions, my previews. Hopefully it serves you well. Um, good luck to you in your picks this weekend. If you're making them on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, be sure to uh, use my promo code because those are going to get you some uh, some nice returns there and some risk-free betting as well. So I've got Raiders plus 4.5, Bengals winning that game 20-19. to I've got the Bills minus 4, winning that game 19-13. to I've got Tampa Bay minus 8.5, winning that game over the Eagles 35-13 in a blowout. I like the Niners straight up to cover the three-point deficit and to win the game 26-24 over Dallas. I like Pittsburgh plus 12.5, 
but to lose the game 23-17 to the Chiefs. And I like the Cardinals to cover the three-and-a-half-point spread in a close one, the Rams winning that game 31-30. to When we return, we'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. And, of course, talking the NFL playoffs here in hour number two. And FanDuel Sportsbook is going to give all customers up to a $100 bonus on same-game parlays. All you have to do is place an SGP bet on any Super Wildcard Weekend game, and you'll get a bonus whether you win or lose. And, of course, the more you bet, the more you'll get. Now, to get you started, you can just choose whatever game. Choose a game that you like from Super Wildcard Weekend. Then you pick the legs of the bet. You can start with the team you think you'll win, play the money line. You can bet the over-under in total points. You can sprinkle in some player props, such as anytime touchdown scores, over-under passing yards, Whatever you like to do, you get to customize your bet your way. Now, as you know for me, speed and security matter, which is one of the major reasons why I choose to only bet on FanDuel Sportsbook because you get paid out in as few as two hours when you win. The app is secure for you with your money. It's easy to use. It's safe. And, of course, plenty of great new offers for new and for existing customers and opportunities to jump in on live betting, jumping in the fast lane and doing some live betting as well. Log on to FanDuel Sportsbook to unlock your same-game parlay bonus today. Plus, if it's your first time betting with FanDuel, you'll also be able to, do, to enjoy those 30-to-1 odds on any team to win in Wild Card Weekend. You've got to use my promo code DEAN when you sign up to get it, but you can enjoy the 30-to-1 odds. Turn a $5 bet into 150 bucks, but use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over in President Arizona. Bonus is issued as non-withdrawable site credit. It expires in seven days. Max bonus $100 plus $400 or longer. Wager required. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. All right. So we broke down the, the NFL playoffs. We'll have a, a full you know recap of that on Tuesday when I return. Again, I will not be on the air tomorrow. Um, and then won't be on the air Monday. It's a station holiday, uh, a federal holiday for that matter, for a lot of people. So um, we'll be back on Tuesday to recap all of that, and we'll have plenty to do on Tuesday because we'll have two Wildcat games to recap as well as the men's basketball team hosting Colorado tonight, the McHale Center hosting uh, Utah at the McHale Center on Saturday. Hope to see you guys at the game. Come on out, support the Wildcat basketball team. As I mentioned yesterday, I do not think that that Arizona has an attendance problem. We just have a, a COVID problem. We have a pandemic problem, and we have a marquee matchups issue that has not occurred so far this season. We are starting to get into some more of those as we uh, get ready for conference play. Some of the more heated rivalries in uh, Arizona basketball starting to come into Tucson. So we'll be ready for that. Looking forward to the game tonight. And, uh, of course, women's basketball, they're going to be taking on Oregon State that game at 8 p.m. Again, they're going to be without point guard Shayna Pellington and Lauren Ware tonight. So a little bit of an uphill battle for Adia and the women's basketball team, but uh, I feel like confident that they'll be able to come out with a victory and get ready for that Oregon game coming up. And uh, we'll have a recap of those games as well. As we'll keep an eye on uh, recruiting, the, the Jedi continuing to do work, uh, invited a player who's a former four-star recruit as a walk-on. Um, so things are getting interesting there 
at the uh, the old football facility. They, they're kind of running out of scollies to give, and now four stars are like, well, I'll, I'll walk on to your program. <laughs> it's, it's getting to that point, folks. And uh, this team didn't even come close to sniffing any type of win-loss success last year. So uh, I, I just, I'm just blown away by the, the work that Jed and his fish are doing. Jed, Jed and his staff. Jed Fish and his staff are doing for that program. All right, well, that is going to wrap things up for today's edition and this week's edition of the Jeff Dean Show, for that matter. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work and pushing all the right buttons and keeping me on the air. And, of course, thanks to you guys tuning in right here on weekdays from 7 to 9 to the Jeff Dean Show. Be sure to tune in to Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6. Tomorrow from 3 to 6, they'll have full previews of NFL Playoff Weekend, and they'll be able to break down the Wildcats and Buffs game for you tomorrow as well. I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Until then, have a great weekend. Please be kind to one another. Hope to see you at the McHale Center tonight right here. Stay tuned to 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back Monday morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.